Week in Accountable Care on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks is brought to you by National ACO. National ACO is one of 44 participants admitted as a next-generation ACO model by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. The company is experiencing strong growth, was nation-leading its first performance year, and has logged five years of successful operations. National ACO is leading innovation in value-based health care, alternative payment models, and proactive health population health management. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and moderator of this broadcast, known to some on Twitter as at 2 Guru, and the publisher of ACOWatch.com. I am joined today in the virtual studio with National ACO co-founder Dr. Alex Foxman, who serves as both its president and chief medical officer. Dr. Foxman has been practicing internal medicine and preventive care since 2003. Over 14 years of practice, Dr. Foxman has started several successful and innovative medical practice models, including Mobile Physician Associates, a complete mobile medical group practice serving the needs of the homebound, frail elderly, and disabled populations of Southern California. This practice model has shown significant improvement in the quality of patient care with double-digit reductions in overall medical costs. And now for today's special guest, Jay Parkinson, MD, MPH, the founder and CEO of Sherpa. Jay Parkinson is a physician who trained in pediatrics and preventive medicine at Johns Hopkins University. Since 2007, Jay has redefined the doctor-patient visit and challenged how doctors and patients communicate and solve problems together. He created the world's first Internet-enabled house call practice in 2007, founded and designed the first cloud-based electronic medical record in 2008 called Hello Health, and ideated and designed one of the most popular iPad apps for physicians, Omnio, through his design firm, The Future Well. Five years ago, he founded Sherpa, the world's first primary care in the cloud practice that cares for the employees at some of the most well-known and innovative companies in the world. Jay has spoken on new frontiers that technology creates for health and medical care at over 50 conferences, including TED, Google Zeitgeist, the Clinton Global Initiative, the Aspen Institute, and PopTech. And with that abbreviated introduction out of the way, Dr. Foxman, over to you. Help us get to know Jay and his vision for the future of primary care, which he has recently blogged about as Primary Care 3.0. Thank you, Greg. Jay, how are you today? I can't complain. Doing really well. Thanks. Fantastic. Well, first, you know, I read through your 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 story thus far, and it's, it's fascinating. And, and the first thing I want to state is. Uh, physicians and, and business are almost like oil and vinegar, and a lot of times they just don't don't mix. So uh, explain to me from your training at, at Johns Hopkins as a pediatrician, followed by your MPH in preventive uh, medicine, um, and now what you're doing with Sherpa. Walk us through your journey of how this all came into to be from from beginning to end. Oh goodness. Um... Okay, so I'll start back on probably the uh, second to the last day of my residency. It was June 29th, 
2007. Um, that was the day the iPhone was launched. And June 30th was my last day of residency. And um, it was interesting. I had a bunch of friends uh, down in Baltimore who were um, the artist type. And I was their doctor friend. So they would, you know, send me emails, photos. Um, I was the connection they had in the healthcare. So, you know, it happened so frequently that I was like, hey, there's got to be a business here. But I knew after graduating residency, I didn't really want to be a part of the sort of problem in healthcare. I wanted to really start creating some solutions. So I moved back to New York City and um, started a practice. And basically what that was was um, it was a website. You could click on, uh, you could read all about me, click on make an appointment, and that would bring up my Google calendar. And you could tell me your symptoms and your address, and that would send an alert to my new iPhone. And I'd do a house call. And uh, we'd follow up on email or Skype, and you'd pay me via PayPal. So it really was, I think, the um, first Internet-enabled medical practice uh, in the world. So I had a lot of press, and um, based on that, um, that press and the sort of immediate uh, practice I had built um, through that press – you know, I, I, I started a company called Hello Health, and Hello Health was, um, it was a, um, but in order to prove out the concept of what we needed for this medical medical record, uh, we built two brick-and-mortar practices in Williamsburg in the West Village, and so practice in uh, building um, both an online practice and then also a brick-and-mortar practice. So, uh, you know, I did Hello Health for about three years. Um, that was venture-funded. I think total raised about $30 million over the life, over the history of Hello Health. Um, but then just wanted to go do my own thing and started a company called Sherpa uh, about six years ago. And we are venture funded, um, and it really is an exclusively online medical practice, and we operate in about 48 states. That's fascinating. In fact, uh, you know, we share a lot of things in common as well. Uh, I also, when I started my uh, medical practice back in 2003, started a completely mobile uh, medical practice as well called Mobile Physician Associates, and with that, I pivoted to having a what I call an Uber for doctors, so a, a an app that is uh, forward-facing to the physician and to the patient and is able to be used uh, either in a concierge environment, but also what we're using it for currently is uh, to assist us in value-based care, managing the high-risk patients that are homebound from uh, requiring unnecessary and uh, overutilized hospital and nursing home care. So it is a fascinating stuff as well, and I, I currently understand your your business model, but what uh, what obstacles did you see, and what resistance did you have from legacy and mainstream types of medicine when you uh, started this? Goodness, I would say 2007 was the most resistance. Uh, you know, I just got so much. It was more pop culture press than it was sort of medical press. But you know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal back in 2007 about my house call practice and. You know, there were probably a hundred doctors commenting on that article, just sort of ripping me to pieces in every capacity they could think of. Um, 
but you know, fast forward 10 years and you keep plugging along and you know, this is, is becoming uh, more and more mainstream. And the criticism that I get is, is no longer about, you can't, you know, communicate with patients online. It's more about how do you best do this? So, you know, it, it's the secret is really just persistence and having a vision and, you know, figuring out how to, uh, how to, you know, fund um, that vision and bring it to life. You know, sometimes you're just a bit ahead of the curve. And when that happens, people think you're, you're crazy. And then, you know, life and technology and just the environment catches up with you. And I think that's what you, you experienced in 2007. And, and now actually it's much more mainstream. How do you see this type of uh, healthcare and business model fitting into what's happening in our current healthcare environment, such as with accountable care organizations, value-based care, and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, the, the sort of uh, the target market we've been going after are these folks that, you know, I've seen some data that says, you know, 50% of people don't have primary care doctors and 50% of those don't want primary care doctors. And I, I think that's pretty telling. I think, first of all, that, that means that 50% of people just don't value the primary care have a relationship. And then, other, the, you know, the, the, the 50% of those folks that don't want a relationship kind of means that they just, you know, they're going to get sick, they're going to get hurt. They just need their problem solved as quickly as possible. So combining that concept with the sort of, you know, inaccessibility of primary care with the sort of rise of the high deductible plans mean that means that people, you know, are on the hook for $1,500 to $5,000 out of their own wallet. Um, and that's really the, the market that we're going after. I mean, you know, 50% of people spend 3% of costs, but 3% of costs in healthcare is $75 billion. That's a huge market, you know? Um, to me, you start off with the, the populations that have the sort of simplest problems to solve, a simple problem to solve is super accessible primary care. And then you sort of work through those processes and work out the kinks in the processes and sort of gradually sort of trickle down, I think, into those super high need people. Um, and, you know, that's where I think uh, the opportunity lies in the future. But for now, we're really focused on, um, you know, folks that use maybe, you know, $900 worth of health care a year. So, so it seems like, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm saying this correctly, Sherpa is a health tech, a healthcare tech-enabled uh, direct practice hybrid, and it's appealing to both the insured and the cash-based or or poorly insured populations. Do, am I correct with that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I would say that. You know, I think we just have a few, a handful of people that are uninsured as patients, but most people have have good insurance. Um, the, the vast majority of our uh, revenue currently comes from our B2B clients. So we are the doctors for companies like Casper and Foursquare and GLG and things like that. So companies that are sort of large, scattered across America, um, and, and, you know, need doctors to sort of get ahead of their employees who are just you know, might run to the ER or the urgent care center when that stuff doesn't need to be there. So, um, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's really our, our our client base right now. And do you see Sherpa helping the more uh, you know low 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 uh, income level but very high cost patient populations? I think what we see a lot of times in managing populations is that we have a very small percentage of our patient population that uh, incurs the greatest amount of costs. And what we also see, unfortunately, is that many of those do not have very good access to care. How do you see Sherpa or or any other technology-enabled companies out there helping that need? You know, it's really interesting, and I've struggled with the concept for a while because so much much innovation in healthcare in America really has to be filtered through what will an insurance company cover or approve of, you know? And right now, you know, witnessing the sort of rise of telemedicine and the sort of decades-long efforts that the industry has put in place to sort of get telemedicine reimbursed uh, at the same rate as an in-person visit. I mean, it's just a long slog. And, you know, something a a young company doesn't have is, you know, time and money. So, you know, we really chose to go sort of outside of the insurance world because, you know, to me, that's the low-hanging fruit. And, you know, eventually, once the insurance companies sort of get into the 21st century, uh, they might start um, uh, approving of more innovations at a faster rate uh, because, you know, um, the uh, the stuff's hitting the fan, right? And people need um, accessible care. I mean, I think, you know, we charge about $25 a month essentially $270 a year for unlimited primary care. Um, I think that's extremely affordable. Um, And, you know, insurance companies aren't reimbursing people for that type of care. Uh, But, you know, someday, hopefully they will. And and what kind of services are are being provided? Is it it just uh, physician services or are there other uh, ancillary services to to, uh, uh, improve diagnostic opportunities with, with your platform? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, in terms of the, the Sherpa Health Technology and, and the primary care model of uh, $25 a month, is this something that only uh, has the uh, the physician side of it, or are there ancillary services that are provided as well? Um, so right now, I mean, we hire our physicians. They work full-time for us. This is their practice. Um, we solve 70% of issues uh, online without an in-person visit. Um, we basically tell people, imagine your doctor, uh, the main way we communicate is online, um, and we'll only bring you into an office if you absolutely need to. So that happens about 30% of the time. But about 20% of cases actually need um, you know, either lab or imaging. We'll actually send you to get blood drawn or you know, uh, X-ray or ultrasound or CAT scan or something, whatever we, whatever we need. Um, and you know, that's not included. Uh, that is traditional health insurance. Um, but most of the time, people have deductibles, so they have to spend, you know, two thousand dollars out of their own pocket. What we do is we have special relationships with, in the sort of major metropolitan areas in which we exist, with um, radiology centers, so that, you know, that uh, brain MRI that people need is not forty-five hundred dollars; um, it's seven hundred dollars. So, you know, it's it's that sort of relationship that you have with these high-ticket items. And, and really that's been uh, out of necessity because, 
you know, radiologists and hospitals are, are still billing as if insurance is covering the first dollar. Um, and it's just not the case anymore as deductibles are rising. And it's, you know, it's almost criminal to, to, you know, charge $4,500 for an MRI whenever everybody knows everybody's profitable at 700. So it's, uh, it's, it's relationships that we've established over the last six years. Yeah, healthcare and and uh, what what uh, the healthcare system charges has always been fascinating to me. Uh, I've never understood how you go and get a service performed not knowing what it costs, what the other people charge or physicians charge, and just have it done and then receive how much you owe for that service without even knowing after the service has been performed, which is which is fascinating to me. So I I completely get that. Now, what about risk in your model? Uh, is this something that you believe? that uh, Sherpa will be moving into. As we can see, we're moving a lot from volume-based care to value-based care, and a lot of this value-based care that we're moving into is really risk-based, providing skin in the game for, uh, for those providers that are, that are providing the services. What do you think will happen with Sherpa as we continue to move into that trend of risk-based medicine? Um, well, I mean, it's an interesting question, and I think that really more applies to um, you know, those high cost folks, right? Um, I think the real challenge here is, uh, you know, primary care can only do so much. And as you know, there's just a fraction of people that are really consuming a lot of the costs. You can really wrap your head, your hands around them. Um, as a population of folks, uh, you know, via primary care, but, so much of those costs are spent in the last six months of their life in the hospitals, right? So it's, a, it's just a really tough thing. Um, that's really not where we're focused right now. Like I said, there's 50% of people that, that consume, you know, $75 billion worth of health care. That's really what we're focused on. And sort of use that as a Trojan horse to get people sort of used to the concept of online healthcare communication and problem solving, uh, and then eventually get into um, you know, as best we can, the concept of risk. But again, you know, risk only applies to those things that insurers, um, you know, sort of approve of. So if they're not approving of online healthcare delivery right now, um, you know, what can you do? Well, I think that's an interesting segue to the, to the next topic. How familiar are you with the next generation ACO model through uh, CMMI? I mean, relatively familiar. I just haven't worked on the inside with one or anything. Right. Yeah, so, so, you know, Medicare and, and, and uh, clearly understands, I think, now that, one, uh, volume-based care doesn't work, that we have to put in innovations to be able to help. And, and technology is, I think, one of those innovations and opportunities for us to better care for our patients at a lower cost. So some of the innovations that, that are uh, bundled into the program are reimbursable telehealth services. We also have the three-day skilled nursing facility waiver and post-discharge uh, home visits. So, so how do you see that type of model in, in Medicare, which is the largest insurer really in the world, really moving through and percolating into the rest of our healthcare system? Because obviously it is happening. Uh, it is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. But how do you see that, and, and how long do you think that will take for that to, to be a, a, a norm in our system? You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I look at this not as so much a, a tech or insurance problem. I sort of look at this as more of a consumer behavior problem. I mean, the tech exists, 
out there, but, you know, not many people are actually using it because the reflex is to, oh, my God, I need to go to the urgent care center or the ER or something like that. Um, so, you know, how do you best create a process that people want to use, um, feel comfortable using, and, you know, how do you build technology that's just super simple to use so that, you know, the first time they use it, they see the value of it and want to continue. So, you know, that's almost like it's, it, you know, I'm glad the incentives are there. And I think that's the first step. But the next step is how do you create things that people just, you know, that delight people so that they use healthcare intelligently and, and, and you know, um, go on from there. You know, and I agree, uh, myself demoing many, many, many uh, telehealth products for National ACO, uh, I clearly realized that there's a disconnect between uh, uh, programmers and, 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 and physicians and patients and usability. And uh, tech is not going to really work on the mainstream until, for example, with telehealth is a, is a great example, until it's almost like picking up the phone and managing that patient on a phone call. When you can make it that easy, I think that's where you get acceptance and adherence. And once you start bundling in all the amazing innovations, such as you know USB and Bluetooth-enabled stethoscopes and otoscopes and skin spectrometers and so forth, that's where I think uh, uh, the value really comes in uh, to something like yeah. this. What do you say? Yeah, to those, those yeah, go on. Well, two comments. So first, um, you know, I think it's important. Only about ninety-eight percent of our interactions with our patients is asynchronous messaging. It's not phone or video. Um, you know, in the, in the last, like, five years, we've used video, I think, two times. Um, I'm not a fan of it just because, you know, I don't think people are used to sort of communicating that way with strangers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's uh, I think one of the, the problems with telehealth as it exists today, though, is, is definitely, you know, if it's a 10-minute visit with a stranger, random doctor, they're only going to give you generic, simple advice and help. So it's really about the relationship. It's about the communication via an ongoing relationship and the ability to order tests and sort of own a situation from beginning to end if that situation lasts 10 minutes or 10 months. You know, that's, that's, um, it's, these things need to be much more capable and I think they are not yet. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what about analytics and back-end um, uh, information and informatics that, that assists your insurers and others to, to see how Sherpa actually reduces overall utilization and costs uh, in, the, uh, in the healthcare system? Do you uh, track that, and, and to what point and what kind of outcomes have you had? So... Um, our system we built from the ground up, you know, it's, in, it's essentially an EMR meets like a Zendesk, like case-based customer support ticket tool uh, for health problems, meets like a CRM, you know, and a CRM is for the specialists in the facilities across America that we refer to. So we have about a 5,000 person and facility strong organic network that we built over the last five years. Um, that being said, uh, like I said earlier, 98% of our interactions are the messaging, um, that is 100% analyzable text. And I think it's the only place in healthcare where, you know, 98% of the doctor-patient interactions are actually analyzable. Otherwise, it's essentially just billing data 
and the doctor's interpretation of what happened during that visit, uh, mostly to maximize billing in the traditional world. So, you know, we have not yet implemented um, a bunch of sort of natural language processing or anything like that, um, mostly because I think it's using stuff like that is a massive UI UX problem for the patient. Um, we don't want to make them, you know, feel like they're talking to a computer or something like that. This is a very human sort of interaction. Um, so it's there. Uh, we haven't done anything with it just yet, but I think in the future, you know, it would be, uh, we built it so that it would be relatively easy to do so. What, what do you say to the critics out there that, that would say a, a model like Sherpa is providing healthcare in piecemeal and that to ultimately manage populations, there has to be a primary care focus on managing not just the patient in front of you, but the entire population, and that by not doing so will we'll really not lead to improvement in overall care. You might be able to handle the problem that's sitting in front of you, but you can't handle the overall problem of the healthcare system and the patient. How would you how would you rebut that? Well, I mean, I personally, I preventive medicine. It's my background, so I, my background is really in about you know treating populations. So, you know, prevention is built into to Sherpa, so that everybody that uses Sherpa knows the uh, um, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommendations, what they need to get, and we will order those tests um, and yeah, make sure that they have the results. So. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that we're sort of just managing individuals. I think we're managing um, evidence-based screening tests as well. Um, but again, you know, doing the search for recommendations, uh, they're pretty, they're not that many of them um, with good solid evidence behind them. So uh, it's not as, you know, um, complex as one would think. Um, but, you know, again, we're focused on the folks that maybe, you know, that spend typically $1,000 or less on health care. I understand. So now I'm going to ask you to put on your uh, kind of futuristic hat, and uh, you're going to get out your crystal ball and tell me what you think the future holds in healthcare in the next three years, the five years, the 10 years out. Uh, and at the same time, if you could give me the uh, pick seven numbers for the next Powerball, that would be great as well. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I'm just really worried about the sort of affordability in healthcare. I mean, you know, we have cost disease. Uh, premiums are doubling every seven and a half years. And, you know, the concept of shaving off, you know, 3% savings every year is not fundamentally important enough to prevent, you know, premiums that are currently $24,000, $25,000 a year for families from being $50,000 a year, seven years from now, um, you know, so what do you do? I, to me, I think it's sort of, you've got to start with the folks um, that don't need a lot of care. And I think you need to change their behavior through online services that delight them. And I think if you, oh man, I don't know. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I mean, I, hear you. I don't think anybody has a future <laughs> just right. all. But, you know, all I can do is say, I want to create a service that people love, that people use, that prevents them from being on their own and using healthcare, not as intelligently as they should. So 
you know, that's that's my goal. Hopefully we fix ourselves, but I'm just worried. Yeah. Well, so am I, but I think we're both in it to try to change things around and, and uh, there's no better way to do it than uh, helping people and trying to make a business model out of it. In the next couple of minutes that we have, you know, you've been, you've been doing things and a lot of things for the last 10 years. Uh, what are some of the key enablers that, that uh, to continue to move the needle forward in, in healthcare? I think it's other industries. In a lot of ways, I think other industries have had a much easier go at sort of changing, you know, behavior. And I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, just the introduction of, you know, apps and other um, services out there have really, you know, made people question, like, well, why doesn't healthcare work this way? And actually, I'm going to do a Google search to find out, is healthcare working this way? You know, so I think it's nice. My, my, um, my sort of mantra over the years has been look at other industries, see what they're doing, see how they're leading changes in, in people's behavior, and sort of say, you know, can this be brought to healthcare? And if it can, great, build it, and, um, and, and make them happy. So hopefully that'll reduce costs. Hopefully that'll you know, be a real business for us. And, uh, you know, we can do our part. Well, fantastic, Jay. Uh, it was a pleasure to speak with you on this uh, very quick 30 minutes. Uh, you're doing a lot of great things, and I look forward to seeing how this turns out for you as well. And uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure. I appreciate that. Thank you. And there you have it. That'll be the last word for today's broadcast. I do want to thank our guest, Jay Parkinson, MD, MPH, CEO of Sherpa Health, for his time and insights today. Stay current with Jay's work on Twitter via at Jay Parkinson and at Sherpa Health. And Sherpa is with two A's. And on the web, www.jayparkinsonmd.com and www.sherpahealth.com. Finally, do follow National ACO on the web via www.nacomso.com and on Twitter, Twitter via at NACOMSO. Until we meet again on This Week in Accountable Care, for Dr. Foxman, this is your moderator, Greg Masters, saying bye now. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.